Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's 136 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer with you momentarily. Steve Smith on our Oilers Champion Series coming up. Before we do, though, into the Ashley Fine Floors text line at 780-496-0063. Don't worry, Bob. Even with no fans in the stands, with the Oilers in the playoffs, this city will be special. We will find a way to energize the team even without being there. Getting ready to paint my garage walls orange and blue. My neighborhood will be rocking. Going to have the games on a projector screen. Really? Wow, you got technical abilities that uh, supersede mine, I can tell you that uh, right now. Uh, Oilers now brought to you by our title sponsor, Digitex, who wish you and yours all the best during these uncertain and challenging times. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. Uh, always want to be open and honest on the show. Uh, we had to pre-tape Steve Smith in our Oilers Champion Series. Let's get to the conversation right now with three-time Stanley Cup champion, former Oilers, current Buffalo assistant, Steve Smith. Steve, thanks for taking time to join us on Oilers Now. How you doing? Everything is good, Bob. Everything is good. It's a little sad we didn't end up in a playoff race here, but, uh, you know, overall, uh, this whole uh, COVID thing, staying home with the family, spent lots of fun, uh, spending time with the gang, for sure. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll get back to the Buffalo Sabers towards the end of the conversation. Uh, as you know, we've been doing uh, sort of our Champions Week and your personal journey with the Oilers and beyond the Oilers is, is incredible to me. And I, I just think of the, the heartbreak, and I know we've spoken about it before, uh, of 86 uh, on your birth date, uh, and then to win in 87. And that look on your face when, uh, and I tweeted it out last week, uh, when Wayne Gretzky hands you the Stanley Cup championship. Is there any way, when you think back now 33 years later, is there any way you can express just what it was like to have the greatest player in the history of the game give you the cup the first? Well, what's pretty amazing about it was at the time I didn't much think about it and I wasn't uh, expecting it, obviously, because usually it's within the hierarchy of the team. And when you look at the hierarchy of that team, there was uh, approximately 19 other players that were better than I in that season. So I wasn't expecting to get it, but... Uh, I will tell you what a thrill it was. It was uh, exhilarating. I was immediately looking for my father, who I knew was in the stands. I was excited about the opportunity of uh, even being in the game and being part of that process. What a great uh, team that we had that year. And, uh, you know, for Brett's to do that, I know that uh, after the fact that him and Kevin and Mark and some of the guys had had discussions and uh, had decided that that's what they had wanted to do, and just, you know, just shows the quality 
people that they are more than uh, just uh, great hockey players, but great, uh, great uh, people and great teammates as well. Is that the thing you think that's sort of underrated about the Oilers of the '80s? I mean, even the response after you lost, uh, you know, in Game Seven, you had, a, you had a tough break. Like some guys don't come back from that, Steve. But the story I'm told is your own teammates were your most supportive guys. And we've seen situations, especially in the last few years, with, with some, some teams, maybe not so much in hockey, where fingers get uh, pointed. And, you know, the fact is, you guys lost four games in that series. Calgary played you tough. They were a really good team, too. It was a tough break. But to a man, all the guys I've ever talked to said, hey, we had, like, lots of time left in that game. We had a chance to – we should have never been in that position. Does that say something about your group, do you think? Well, it really was. It says a lot about the group, and that's why that group won five uh, Stanley Cups. I mean, there's no doubt that it was tight. It was close. Uh, right from day one, I still remember coming in as a very young player and uh, you know, bringing family, whether it was my younger brothers, whether it was my parents, uh, 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 you know, good buddies from growing up. Everybody was included. Everybody was part of what they considered the Oiler family. They brought you under the fold. They brought you into the locker room. They made you part of it. I mean, when you've got, uh, you've got, you know, we're from a very small town in Ontario, Bob, and, uh, you know, bringing my brothers in there, my best buddies, um, and, you know, Wayne Gretzky uh, calling them over and sitting in the stall and spend some time and hang out and Mark Messier, Kevin Lowe, all those guys uh, just being so personable with them and, uh, and making them part of the other family. I think that's as much as anything what made that team championship uh, championship caliber team. I mean, let's face it, that was a, a great group of individual, great group of hockey players and, and, you know, Wayne Gretzky is obviously the best player of all time, at least in my mind, uh, but uh, more than that, they're really good people and very inclusive and uh, made people feel, feel part of it no matter how small or uh, big a part they were. Champions Week on Oilers now. Bob Stoffer with you. We're joined by former Oiler Steve Smith. Steve, uh, 87-88, and Paul Coffey gets traded. Did that change? Uh, and he was a heck of a defenseman. Uh, and I'm just wondering, did that change things for you personally? Did you have to take on greater responsibility uh, given the massive absence that Paul was to that defense moving forward? Well, one of the things that Paul did so well for Gratz especially was he took the puck, he carried it out of the zone, and uh, and we spent a little time in our zone because of the fact that he uh, he literally picked it up and uh, away he went. But he was also a wonderful passer, and uh, and uh, you know it, it's difficult for some of those high end players to uh, to continue to excel unless they get pucks on their tape. They don't, Gretz didn't want to go into the corner and chase it down, and uh, he wasn't uh, into a physical style of game, so he wanted it uh, in full flight, and that's one thing that Paul did. And, uh, you know, as a group, we all had to kind of buckle down and become better passers and better players, and it was something that we worked on on a daily basis with uh, with Glenn Sather and John Muckler. It was just a skill set of our team. It was constant passing, constant movement, and the, and the practices were such high pace that we all had to improve, and uh, Everybody got better because of it. And, and of course, the additional minutes uh, that uh, you know, Koff uh, ate up a lot of minutes before he uh, was traded, and uh, the additional minutes that we all uh, ended up with uh, made us better as well. You get Boston in 1988 and again in 1990. Did you relish those opportunities to match up against Cam Neely? Well, I look back on it, and I, I, I just recently did one of the uh, hometown hockey things with uh, um, 
with Hockey Night Canada here in my hometown, and we talked a lot about that. And uh, one of the things that uh, I look back and say, you know, they talked about me being matched up with Cam Neely, but everybody was involved. I mean, I watched some games here in the last little while, some of those games, and honestly, I, I, I was shocked looking back at how little we gave them. I mean, I mean, our goaltender played well. Bill Ranford made saves when he had to in 90, and obviously uh, uh, Fierzy in 88. But I will tell you, that defense was stifling. We gave them very, very little. And uh, uh, part of it was uh, shutting down the Neely Janney line, and uh, Ray Bork was uh, getting beat on by the forwards. And, you know, that was it was a heck of a hockey team. And it was, you know, we had some stars, but I'll tell you, all the grinders really uh, chipped in and uh, gave the Boston Bruins very little. What was it like sitting in that room when the lights went out in Game Four, in 1988? Well, it was it was weird. It's hard to describe. But I mean, I, if I remember correctly, and I, I know it happened two different times. Obviously, one we didn't start back up again. The other one we did. But uh, you know, there was you know we're, we're not sure what to do. Well, you know, are you are you hungry? Are you ready to go back out on the ice again? Somebody, uh, you know grabbed a, a, a half a slab of pizza and everybody had a little piece of that and you know you just weren't sure what to do and uh, you know and then we went in and we did the, uh, the triple overtime game and there was a foggy half the night and there was a lot of weird stuff going on in that Boston series but you know those are those are great memories and those are those are really incredible times and uh, you cherish those times because I gotta tell you now that I'm out of the game one of the things that I miss most about the game is that that whole personal camaraderie of spending time before the game and during the game between periods and I mean that's the fun part for us as players we all go out and we spend 20 minutes where we live and die by every second of a shift but then we get to sit in kibitz and uh, and uh, encourage each other between periods and those were the fun parts for sure we're joined by Steve Smith uh, on our champion series uh, Steve was part of the 87 88 and 1990 Oiler championships you referenced the triple overtime game in 1990 Eight goals against Steve and five games against Boston. It's funny. I look at that 88 team. You didn't have Paul Coffey. You go 16-2 and two in the playoffs, and you sweep the number one team in the league, and Boston was the number four team that, le- that year. You guys finished third, and Boston beat Montreal, and they'd finished second. So you, you swept the two best teams that were left that you could have played in 88. You go 16-2, and two, and I think... That might have, you know, that playoff team was as good as any. But then you look at 1990, and you you went seven and one in your final eight games, and you didn't give up anything against Boston. Eight goals against in five games. I guess it doesn't just speak to Bill Ranford, but as you mentioned earlier, you guys just you, you, by that point you had a different type of team that could lock teams down, didn't you? Well, we locked team down, teams down right from the very beginning, and and, and I got to tell you, I got I got a few text messages from some of the guys in recent times. Greg Simpson being one that texted me uh, last week and just talking about uh, about that team. It's pretty amazing when I looked back and thought there was just no chances. They just didn't get any chances. And of course, you know, Mark's flying, and Lenny Anderson's flying, Greg scoring goals. I mean, we've got guys that are playing at a different level than most of the other. Uh, most of the other guys in, in the locker room, but everybody was can, making a, a contribution. You know, we've got uh, the kid line going, we've got Jalen and Murphy and Denham Graves going, we've got 
you know, the grinders that are, that are chipping in. But we had this big, strong defense that just gave up nothing. Kevin Lowe was just such a such a cerebral, smart player, gave up nothing. The playing with Craig Manning was, was pretty incredible. You know, I, I was uh, back and forth between Randy Gregg and, uh, and uh, Robert Sinanen, and uh, you've got Book in and out of the lineup. You've got guys that are coming in and out of the lineup that were, you know, Charlie Huddy, obviously one of the steadiest players in order. History was was there, and you know it was it was a pretty pretty tightly run ship, believe it or not. I mean, we opened it up during the season when we had to, but during those playoffs, I look back now and and, and quite frankly, we're shocked to watch it. I didn't think we were that tight, but it was really uh, you know as a coach now, I'm looking at it going, wow, we got to uh, we got to find out that, that uh, way if we're going to have uh, uh, success in the future in Buffalo. Steve, uh, you mentioned Buffalo. Uh, you know, you coached obviously with the uh, Oilers organization as well and Carolina. Um, I gotta, th- I gotta think, given the the own personal experience you have and your own your own teammates from that area, uh, that era, marvel at at what you went on to accomplish. I mean, you're basically a, an all star caliber defenseman. Not everybody gets over something like that. Is that part of the the learning that maybe you can help out with some young defensemen? Because today's player is completely different than a guy's 30 years ago, or are they completely different? You know, I'm not certain that they're completely different. I think it's a lot of similarities, to tell you the truth. I think that I look back on the relationships that I had with coaches and the guys that I listened to and, and learned most from, it was, it was clearly all about relationships. And I think that that's what uh, I think good coaching does moving forward. And, and even in today's game, I mean, my most of my time right now, Bob, is spent trying to trying to create relationships with players. You know, trying to trying to hope that uh, when they have babies, ten years after, they're still texting me and saying hello when I had a baby and uh, my my life has changed. And uh, um, you know, I, I still remember Justin Schultz being. In, uh, in, in Edmonton and then moving on to Pittsburgh and after one saying the coach sending me a text and, uh, and saying thanks for what you did. I mean, those are the things that are important to coaching. Coaching, it's all about relationships. And I think it was better the same way back then. You know, we uh, we all had our days. We all had our moments and our times. And there was more, you know, more head games sort of thing that happened back then. But I think the players, you know, they, 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 uh, they want you to set expectations for them. They want you to keep them accountable to those expectations. And, uh, and they and they want to know that you care, and that's the important part now is uh, is uh, is creating those relationships. I don't think that's changed a whole lot. Uh, we'll leave you with this, Steve. Uh, yesterday, uh, Jack Eichel spoke to the media. And he talked about the leadership of Ralph Kruger. And if that doesn't reinforce the respect a player has for a coach when he refers to his coach as a leader, and I'm probably going to guess this surprises you the least of anybody out there on the planet, uh, given your history with Ralph dating back to your time at Edmonton, that his, uh, you know, that his best player would, would think of him in that fashion. Well, you uh, you know this firsthand, Bob, because we've had this conversation many, many times. And Ralph's one of my favorite people in the game, and uh, he's good to the people around him. He, he has high expectations for himself. He has high expectations for the people around him. But what he does so well is he communicates. He lets you know what those expectations are. He tries to keep you accountable to those expectations. And, and more importantly, you feel like he cares every time he makes a statement. And, and he's not overbearing. He's all about quality and, and, and instead, of, uh, instead of quantity. 
Um, he uh, he has those players in a position that they know what's expected of them. They know um, what the, it's, he's pretty clear on what the systems are. And the other side of it is, is that he's, he's he has a confidence about him that he puts on those players and they feel confident going on the ice, like he truly cares and that he wants them to do well. And, and quite frankly, he does, and that's why he's had the success that he's had. Steve, we appreciate you taking time to join us during Champions Week, and I uh, look forward. Uh, might not see each other this summer because uh, of the draft situation, but hopefully uh, at some point next season, when next season gets started. Oh, let's be a playoff going off. Good luck to you guys. I uh, hope you do well. Great guy. That's Steve Smith, who spent time as an assistant coach with Edmonton, Carolina, currently in Buffalo, won three Stanley Cup championships as an Edmonton Oiler. It's 150 at Edmonton, and you're listening to Oilers Now. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. Ryan had a good season going, and he'll be back at her here when the Oilers get back at her, if they do indeed, if we're able to restart to Edmonton and Chicago. Had Leon Drysaddle on the show today. Royal Pizza, pizza pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. Now the Royal Pizza is offering curbside pickup and takeout options for a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations. Go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. The Stoffer recommendation at Royal Pizza, Mediterranean chicken. To this day in Oilers history, which for the last several years has been sponsored by our friends at New West Travel. I think of uh, the New West Travel trip uh, to Germany and Sweden that everybody went on a couple of years ago. We hooked up with our old friend Ryan Jones, and he is part of uh, this day in Oilers history. Back in 2011, when the Oilers signed him to a two-year contract worth $3 million following his 18-goal campaign, the following year he set a career high with 33 points before his NHL career fizzled out, and now he's playing over for uh, with the Cologne Sharks, I believe, yes? He's, he's retired. This, is, this was his ah. last year. I will tell you that uh, I was in the post game of it right right into the post game and looked over the Oilers had had a road game in Long Island and there was yelling at Oiler players as they're leaving the ice they've got really brutal fans there in that old building and suddenly they just stopped looked at each other and started laughing and I figured Jones had said something well I asked him what did you say and he said I looked up at them and I said dad quit following us on the road and there was he it was a uh, you know drop the mic moment and the Islander fans uh, started clapping and laughing after that that made him he had a good sense of humor uh, Ryan Jones no question about that what does Reed Wilkins got coming up on Inside Sports tonight Ooh, hello we're gonna hear from Rob Brown Oilers Inside the Game analyst and uh, Jay Onright from TSN all right, uh, we'll have a full slate of shows for you next week. Up next, uh, Jalen and I, 6.30 Chet Afternoons. Man, it's uh, it's tough down in the States, and obviously uh, a lot of difficult times going on, and she'll be hitting on some of those topics. Um, we opened the show with Eye of the Tiger today, and uh, it was on this date uh, back in 1982 uh, that Eye of the Tiger by Survivor was launched. Well, on this date in 1997, Jeff Buckley, uh, who recorded what many consider to be the best male version of Hallelujah, uh, ended up drowning uh, down in the United States. So we'll leave you uh, with a song that has incredible depth, uh, one that uh, certainly Katie Lang uh, nailed at the 2010 Olympics. Hallelujah. Have a wonderful weekend. Up next, the Global News Weather Traffic Update with Carrie McCarthy, then the 6.30 Chit Afternoons with Jalen Nye. There was a secret chord 
that David played and it pleased the Lord. But you don't really care for music, do you? Well, it goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall and the major lift, the baffled king composing hallelujah, hallelujah. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.